Broadcasting from Earth Space Dock, this is Politrex. The Time Directive, the Declaration of Human Rights, the United Federation of Planets, the United Nations, World War II, the Dominion Federation War, the Art of War, the Teachings of Sirach, Jesus Christ. Welcome, everyone, to Politrex. My name is Barry, and it's been a while. And with me, as always, is my often imitated, never replicated co-host, Mr. Shashank Avaru. How are you doing today, Shashank? Namaste, homo sapiens. I am doing as well as can be expected in the reality that we are living in. Yeah, it's a... How are you, Barry? It's a brand new reality, and... uh, it's nice to be back, and it's nice to be chatting with you, Shashank. We uh, we took a bit of a uh, uh, impromptu, almost full year off the two of us with uh, moves and changes and all of these different things um, that happened over 2020. And we're we're happy that 2020 is over. And well, wouldn't you know it? 2021 is off to quite the interesting start, isn't it? Yeah, and if any of this is stuff that you don't want to say about, you can cut it out. But uh, we are both people who work in education. And our jobs are considered essential. So uh, we, I don't know how big of a break Barry got. I think I got one month to work from home, but then I was right back on the on the road, back in the office. It's yeah, yeah we. It's been a pretty crazy <laughs> yes. uh, few months, and then I had to move. I don't live where I used to live anymore, and uh, it's a, in a good way. It, like it was a positive move that that worked out for me, but. And, and Barry's life has just been, uh, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, so, well, I mean, we're, we're, we're happy to be back. We apologize for being away. We hope you're still listening and we hope you'll consider listening to us. Uh, we promise we'll definitely try much, much harder this year to keep at least some kind of a schedule so we can keep coming back to talk to you. The good thing about, um, I find the Star Trek fandom is a, there's a lot of really great podcasts out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm loath to think anyone was terribly, uh, terribly bored without us, but we hope to, uh, add to that delightful symphony of creativity that exists on the interwebs and podcast pages out there. Um, as you know, uh, some of you know, I guess my brother passed away this time last year and that sort of put things on a bit of a hold. It was about the time that we were interviewing Amrit Kar, uh, back, uh, a year ago, this time last year before uh, kind of everything went down there. And um, yeah, it was just probably the best decision for me to, to take a bit of a break. Now, of course, we still deal with the old uh, Canadian internet, as we jokingly will say, and, and sometimes that will slow us down a bit. But um, teaching in COVID, as Shashank said, has been very interesting. And I think maybe to tell you all some of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode is this is sort of Shashank and me getting a chance to catch up with one another a little bit too. And I think that's pretty great. But uh, talking maybe a little bit about what teaching during COVID is like, I've made a few Star Trek references and connections over the last little while. Um, and then uh, maybe talking a bit about some of the recent political upheaval that has taken place over the over the last uh, couple of weeks here. And, and we are still recording this just before the January 20th inauguration day. So anything that we say beyond this is predictive. So by the time this gets released, I'm hopeful before inauguration. And if not, this will be an interesting way to uh, check and see how accurate we were. 
So yes, with that, um, I think beyond there, I might want to talk to uh, Shashank and workshop a couple of ideas I've got sort of going in my head right now and some things that maybe even we could get uh, some people to respond to us on what they might be interested in. You can always find us on Twitter at Polytrex. And of course, we are a part of the Trek Geeks podcast network, a proud member that uh, we've been a part of for a while and haven't made a lot of new content on, but we do have a lot of old content that you can always check around. And then of course, Bill and Dan have their long-standing uh, podcast, and then there's so many other wonderful podcasts that have shown up while we were taking our much-needed uh, break. Shashank, why don't you take us through the list? Sure. Uh, there is Star Trek Rewind, Trek Rewind, and then there is Deep Space Pride, which is a new podcast that has debuted since we last did an episode for you guys here at Poly- Polytrex. It's one I've been really enjoying. Uh, there is the five-year mission podcast and there is that afterthought that you kind of have to mention like the Trek Geek show. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the, the other shows are really good, but the like the Trek Geek show, it's just, it's like the tag that comes with your clothes when you buy them. You just have to tear them out and throw them away. There you go. You just well, have to bring them home for the barcode scanning purposes. So you can pay for it. And are we allowed to talk about the divine treasury yet? I'm sure we can mention it. Uh, I mean, they, they did put content up in their YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, so yeah, cool. you can well, also just... subscribe to the Trek Geeks YouTube channel where we have a different kind of a show. It's a show dedicated to Star Trek collectibles. So they already have my attention, but they did do a couple of episodes that they put up on the Trek Geeks YouTube channel that you can also check out. Nice. And that's uh, kind of where I'm interested. I, uh, I have, I, I might have some things that I can help them like auction off for a good cause. Um, that would be uh, kind of neat. I'm, I'm trying to downsize a little bit and there's some, some trinkets here that I know just maybe I could sell them to. We'll see. Anyways, I'm sure we've all been sort of reeling from the, the year now it has been almost of having life in a lockdown under COVID. And I have to say it's, it's almost impossible to explain just how much life has changed. And I think for most of us, we can say that that's a pretty much a, a true fact. But uh, teaching during COVID has been a very interesting thing, sort of, as Shashank, you said, you know, working from home kind of gave us some time uh, to ourselves. And uh, I definitely did take that time. But uh, I did find that I was still quite busy. It's just in a very different way. And I guess to some degree, and now I wear like computer glasses and stuff like that. To some degree, I was able to kind of trek out my experience a little bit. Um, there was a point where with my school division specifically, we actually taught from our classrooms in empty classrooms and then videoed home. And that was really kind of neat because I was able to set up a, an entire kind of Star Trek-like system where I had a big screen, sort of a view screen in front of me with my TV that I have in my classroom and then my desktop in front of me, which is kind of like a console. And then I had to my side a camera and then I could, I had access to my whiteboard and I could put up slides and I could do all these different things. And I don't know, I, as much as it was difficult not being in the same room as the kids, I actually quite enjoyed it and would, would go back to that gladly if it meant safety was, uh, was being upheld. But, um, it's been kind of difficult knowing how to plan one's year, not knowing when you're going to be teaching from home and when you're going to be teaching in front of a bunch of students. I don't know if that's kind of been your experience, uh, obviously in relation to what you do specifically in terms of uh, online IT curriculum work and stuff. It's It's been an interesting experience just watching the education part of educational technology mm-hmm. work from you guys' end, because it's it, it, everything you knew about education in a way, especially for yeah. kids, kind of has gone out of the window. 
because most of it depends on the teacher and the student mm -hmm. being there, right? So it's just been very interesting watching how education has worked in the educational technology part, um, because everything you knew about education, especially teaching someone who's not an adult, uh, who's who gets their life experiences from that school environment where people are there, and I get to watch you do it and experience things from your end, and also my mom back home who's doing it uh, in a much smaller scale with a much less skeletal framework. There are days when there is no Wi-Fi, and you just you do a phone call, and then you try to get the kids on a phone call, see how that goes. So it's just it's been very interesting watching how uh, kids and teachers and people in education are taking it. Uh, things the challenges at my work have been kind of different because your your work is still virtual uh, because it's, it's stuff that you do on computers. But mm -hmm. you come to realize how important every person in the team is and why we're called essential because if if X, Y, Z don't show up for work in a week, the school, a school that is in a district like 300 miles from us goes down and like they don't have, because they don't have uh, their servers running or their uh, machines up that, that they can use. So it's just been uh, a very interesting challenge watching everything going the way it's going. And a kids pick the best time because a lot of schools have been getting a lot of cyber attacks here in the in our state mm, really? and also in our country uh, and it's mostly being done by like either the kids in that school district or kids that are banded together online because they're at home there and they kind of if you're technologically capable and you're not using your skills in the right way it's not that hard to they're not all pentagon servers you know they're all they're all servers that you run uh, with people that come into a job and go home like any other server. So it's just, there have been a lot of challenges. I've seen a lot of cyber attacks. That's been uh, very interesting. And of course the move and the commute uh, has changed for me a little. The move was great, but the commute is now longer. I have to drive longer, which kind, kind of changes things. So you also need to be in a really stable emotional place to be able to sit down and do a podcast for an hour or an hour and a half because you the people listening you want them to have fun and have a good time and you don't want yeah. nobody's going to tune in if, if you're going to talk about remember that episode in star trek where they had a really long drive to work yeah uh, but <laughs> i guess like that's what i did a lot of was was in this state of not really being in the mood to do much podcasting i, I did watch a a a butt ton of uh of star trek and i i really kind of sprinkled around as much as i could and then i also have a very long commute and so i was able to listen to some star trek podcasts here and there um, even the aforementioned one with dan and bill Ugh. i'm glad you didn't crash yeah, yeah. Uh, and but hey we're here now uh we are really really sorry we hope you're still listening and if you're not and you're new hey jump in it's kind of new for us too yeah. so we're yeah. figuring it out figure it out with us and uh, we hope you you listen and have a good time. I think it's interesting for you to bring up the idea of cybersecurity and everything because that is something that came up with me. And you know, 
being that we are a sci-fi podcast, we can kind of talk about this in, in that sense is, you know, you think about the, the more recent iteration of Star Trek Under Discovery. So spoiler alert, you know, we're going to talk about some elements. I'm not going to say everything, everything, but uh, in that respect, <clears throat> the idea that you can move uh, information, right, from, from one holographic display to another by grabbing it and sort of tossing it in one direction, I think that was really interesting. And, and something that, again, I think we can start seeing uh, a necessity for not only imagining, but now making it real, right? I, I think those kinds of things would have been really helpful as, as a teacher working in IT uh, or, or working working internet technology-wise, right? I, I'm not uh, trained to teach online or anything, but I, I did for the last little while. One thing I noticed was those little moments that bog you down, that slow you down. And, and I guess being a Star Trek fan, I'm like, well, I know what the solution is, is we need some kind of technology that you can grab and pull and move things from one connected piece to another. And I guess like I started thinking about what what's that going to look like for the future of education, especially considering the fact that it's it's pretty much undeniably clear at this point that both your and my countries have pretty much failed in their in their management of the COVID crisis, unfortunately. And we, I think, are going to be dealing with rolling lockdowns and quarantines and stuff for the foreseeable future, right? Until we can get the vaccination out, which again also is, for me, not really 100% considering how many crazy people there are, um, how this is going to look coming up for education and for educators you know we've sort of had our second throw at it where I'm at and it definitely went considerably better but uh, we were sort of expecting this week coming back from uh, Christmas holidays that uh, we were going to melt the servers or something like that because everyone was going online and I do have to say where I live when a lot of people are streaming on the internet things get a little janky and like I would have kids who drop from their calls a lot all this sort of stuff and I, I think that um, that would probably be the next step in sci-fi that I would like to see in Star Trek is uh, dealing with really like an episode where like one really bad connection affects like something really major like where someone like glitches out or their 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 version of Star Trek Wi-Fi drops so I guess those are sort of things to think about is is you know and, and for anyone listening like what do you think the the implications of all of this online teaching is going to do um, you know how can we kind of get ahead of it and make sure that education is being prioritized for the right people uh, and everything like that, that we don't see a stratification um, between the educated uh, individuals and stuff like that. And then finally, like, does this actually mean that, like, we can maybe look at how work is differently, too? Because not everyone who listens to this podcast is in education. And I'm sure aside from being considered the tech person, just because you like Star Trek, the other really big thing is because you like Star Trek, what can you imagine for how work is going to look like moving forward? Like a lot of people work from home and are still doing a fine job of it. So does that change our relationship to work, I wonder? It's been interesting watching all of this unravel too, because in March, back when everything kind of hit the fan, everybody was locked into it being a COVID issue. And we thought, okay, there is a pandemic. It is killing people. We have to figure it out. Eventually, a B story kind of started rolling up which turned into like the way people are managing the pandemic, truth about the pandemic, facts about the pandemic, keeping people safe, what mm -hmm. is safe, what isn't safe, why should I accept that that is safe, and how is any of this factually accurate? And, you know, for the longest time, you kind of don't think about it until it hits you. For the longest time, I always, whenever I've watched Star Trek episodes, I would, especially the original series did this really well, 
they would always have what you'd call an A story and a B story. So you have to kind of save Kirk when he's on the planet, but also there's a giant rock in your way and you have to figure out how amongst the ship, whether Scotty's going to be okay if Spock shoots at the rock. And like, it's just, you think, I, I always thought, why do they need to, like, why can't it just be the one thing that we're all logged in on? And clearly you've seen the way life works is of course, it's never the one thing. Uh, there is there was COVID in March, and by J June, July, August, people were like, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. What are you going to do about it? And uh, there are people who said, oh, you know, nobody can trust what's going on. COVID is fake. Like, it's not a real thing. And then it, it just, it, be, it became so much bigger because for better or for worse, it was humans handling it. So, of course, we had to, we had to, confront COVID's chaos, not with the sense of peace, but saying, I can one-up you. It was like COVID-19 came in and said, I'm going to disrupt all your lives. And then humanity was like, hold my beer, yeah. <laughs> hold my Romulan ale. And then they just went at it. Um, so it's just like completely unraveled. And uh, it's like watching a train accident. Like it's so, you, sh you don't want to watch it. It's horrible, but it's also such so unique that you can't make it up and mesmerizing in a weird way that you just have to take it all in and that's just everywhere man that schools that's a lot of workplaces now a lot of my friends who work in it but not in education most of them got to work from home uh, are still getting to work from home some of them have get to work from home in all of 2021 and beyond uh, there are some companies who just straight up made their offices virtual and that brings up a whole new set of challenges that thankfully you and I don't have to face because we still kind of get to go out and see people every day. And we have interactions that is with a three-dimensional person and not a flat screen, mm -hmm. right? But that also brings its own challenges, which is you don't have the things you do to unwind from work uh, because everything is shut down, but your work is not shut down. And in a weird way of work has gotten harder. So it's like the enterprise crashed, you're on the planet. Spock has a spear in his right, right where his liver is supposed to be. And then crawl comes. Like it's all happening at the same time, very much like an A story and B story colliding. So it's, it's just like a very, very, very challenging time. I like your B plot idea, but I think, yeah, to some degree, the B plot is unfortunately taken over. I think that one of the biggest problems and something that I think we don't we don't get in Star Trek is people do things on the ship when they're ordered to, whether they agree or disagree or whatever they think about it, right? There's a certain chain of command and something. And I think to some degree that's been lost inside of American, Canadian, and Western culture specifically in that um, people mistake inconvenience for injustice in a lot of cases. And I do think that with COVID now being a, a reality that is worldwide and it is world historic, right? It's affected our economy. It's affected our populations. Uh, it's affecting us more so, and it will affect our future. You're right. And I guess to some degree, uh, maybe there are some people who like our, our beloved canonistas in Star Trek who try to argue that discovery isn't canon and all this sort of stuff. I worry that to some degree they're arguing that COVID isn't canon and, uh, in the real sense of it, they're uh, they're getting bitten in the ass pretty hard by it, and I don't like to say it in that respect. But 
one other piece that I think we as, as Star Trek fans have to have to think about specifically is how does this affect the whole, right? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And these few people who are many in some cases, but fewer, I think, in population totally, the ones who actually want COVID to not be a thing and pretend that it's some kind of fakery are very similar to the people who, um, you know, attacked the Capitol recently. Um, and I think that in that respect, we can maybe draw a bit of a through line between what exactly these people are after and what they're angry about. So if you don't mind, Shashank, maybe I can start everyone off um, just talking a little bit about where things are at right now. And then I'll let you give you a chance to kind of chime in. And then maybe we can start making some connections between what exactly we're dealing with. Um, to some degree, people wonder if this is sort of the uh, uh, a realistic version of Deep Space Nine getting taken over by the Dominion for a short period of time. But I mean, the least I can say for the Dominion is at least they didn't shit on the Senate floor. Um, so uh, when when they took over Deep Space Nine. Um, but I want to I want to dive into that a little bit more and, and start to think about what exactly we can tie to philosophically from Star Trek, but then also maybe put a little bit of practicality towards what some of these implications might be. So first of all, everyone's aware at this point, I'm sure if you have, unless you've been somewhere stuck on like, you know, a deep space platform, you're aware that on July, uh, on January the 6th, uh, a group of mostly upper middle class business owners, um, groups of people who uh, you wouldn't normally see uh, necessarily um, doing sort of large mass protest in front of a Capitol building like this specifically, um, amass and basically take over the capital for a short period of time. Five people died, uh, one of whom was a police officer who was knocked out by a fire extinguisher and was then beaten to death with uh, instruments like the American flag, for instance. Um, and then after that, uh, we did hear of one individual who was shot. Uh, and then the other deaths were from medical emergencies, as far as I recall. One other thing that we did notice as well is that there were elements of the police who actually let people in to the Capitol building. There's video evidence of them removing barricades and allowing these people to come in. And so as we're talking about the, the world historic change that COVID has caused with the way we interact with each other, businesses, all of these other sorts of things, I think this is something of a bit of a culmination that is now going to set a new precedent, unfortunately. And like I said, we're recording this before January the 20th. So maybe I'll start there, Shashank. What was your impression when you saw what happened on the 6th? Um, and then what, what are you thinking? What are your worries? What are your hopes? What do you think about January the 20th? On that day, work was extra intense. Or I mean, work is always intense in a good way because you like doing a good job. You kind of apply yourself and put yourself in and try to put everything away. So the, the, the time... I had logged on to check what was going on. I think I was on Twitter and I saw the word insurrection trending. That was the first <laughs> thing I saw. I was like, finally, people yeah. are talking about Star Trek insurrection. I am ready. Like I have so many points, the soundtrack, the acting, like, you know, the plot is really much smarter than you think it is. Like I was ready to break it down. It's a great episode of Star Trek. It might not necessarily be entertaining cinema for your average cinema goers but trek wise yeah. it's fun yeah it's like the star trek beyond of the tng movies to me like that's how that's the way i look at it uh, that's fair so that i was like absolutely fair i was ready i was ready to just an enjoyable movie i was ready to hit them with facts and really smart opinions and then i saw why interaction was trending it it was just like you can you cannot say this is surprising i don't know to who this was surprising yeah it's it's shocking 
because it it happened and we were able to record it and watch it unfold uh, it's a lot of, it's very it's wrong and the audacity of it scares people but we told you that when the guy came down the elevator and said like mexicans are rapists like we were people who were uh, were talking about this stuff said hey you know maybe not elect the guy who's saying that stuff and then it's like i'm sorry we're making office reference but uh, it was like the uh, the episode in which uh, pam finds out that michael scott is dating her mom and she's like don't date my mom and he goes i'll date her even harder like it's that that kind of un- ended up becoming everything that the last 4 years was and it was just like a very one it reminded me of home that was because that's where i went when i was watching all of it for people who don't know that there were riots called the black monday riots back home that you can google it's pretty gruesome and horrifying and these things happen every now and then and when our riots happen hindus die muslims die because that's usually what our riots are about back home is somebody finds out there is something that happened to a muslim or a hindu and then a bunch of people come together armed and they fight and people die so it was so weird watching people born in america fight democracy you're right like i never thought that would happen that yeah they were fighting against democracy you were absolutely the, right the thing they're fighting is this is the system that you agreed on so what you're angry yeah. about is the fact that your system worked and they elected a person like that's the system yeah. we all agreed on when we formed this union like that was the understanding <laughs> and uh, it made me think about how how much easily all these people got off i mean there were dude there was a guy who paid a counterfeit note and because of that his neck got held down against the gravel and he for 8 minutes and he died not being able to breathe and that's the thing is we have to understand that sorry to interrupt but the absence of violence and let's put it this way like i mean yes uh, a a cop was killed um and a lady was shot and and then other people died of medical emergencies which which can happen in in these sort of violent events but like you know you think about what happened in portland in minneapolis in other parts of uh, of the united states during the summer when people were were protesting um for black rights for people rights for people of color for trans rights for you know better conditions you know while this whole fiasco of a pandemic is being handled and they were treated like they would throw a half drunk canal lacroix at a cop and they would get their head stoved in and in this case yeah you're absolutely right that first of all these people were against democracy secondly we cannot separate the people who stormed the capital with white supremacy in the sense that basically what they decided was that a diverse country made a choice clearly like whether you agree with liberal democratic politics or not you're right shashank they these are the rules in which the united states has set itself up and according to those rules a fair democratic election took place and what they are basically saying is no right they're saying no to that democratic process they're saying no to the diversity of of choice of of those sorts of things and i mean i have my own personal criticisms against the us electoral process in general and the us state itself but yeah taking this just as a microcosm these people we cannot deny were against democracy 
they were white supremacists, and they're not going to get the same treatment that other members, real activist groups, are getting. Uh, and that's that's exactly the point. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Uh, what was even uh, more interesting watching was the next few days that transpired after the attack. And the FBI is supposed to be the FBI. When you say like police, you think the FBI, everybody in the world, because that's how they're kind of built up on. And that's the same for the US military. It's the only country to have ever used the nuclear bomb. Twice. Twice. And so when you think of that country and you think that their citadel of democracy was so easily taken down, it just shows you how fragile the process is. And I mean, I if that was a bunch of black and brown people, ma'am, they'd all be they, dead. They would be dead before they got up those steps. And if this was exactly how it went and they were all like gay and black and brown people, trans people, and they'd all taken up Hillary flags, stronger together flags from 2016, and then they had gone up there, they would have been, every one of them would have been dead before they touched the, the, the door that they broke through. So there's of course that double standard that everyone knows about, but I remember I was, nine years old when 9-11 happened and it was I just started getting into the habit of reading newspapers and I would read every day that Indians and Pakistanis and uh, people from the Middle East in America would get attacked they would uh, get beaten up on the road a lot of sick people would get attacked uh, people would get killed the one that comes to mind is uh, I think a year or so after 9-11, a, br a brown guy, I think from my state back home, was standing at the edge of the subway as the train was coming, and a lady just pushed him, and he died upon impact. Jeez. And the, the lady said, well, he looked like a terrorist, so I killed him, is what she said. Th those were her exact words. And I don't see a similar kind of reckoning taking place where Everybody's like, all right, like let's throw our MAGA hats away. Like this went too far. We saw where it went. Let's throw our Trump hats away. Uh, this was not like it's gone too far. Like there isn't a there isn't a social movement that is kind of putting the pressure on these people that was put on brown people back then. They said, oh, you're a Muslim, so it's you, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know it's your fault. You did it. You knew who the terrorists were. There was a kind of naive understanding that every Muslim was somehow responsible for 9-11. But there isn't even the understanding that every Republican is somehow responsible for uh, this, this terrorist attack. And I don't know why people are hesitating to call it a terrorist attack, because like, that's what it is. It's a terrorist attack. Yeah. You, like, well, people it was died. planned. Yeah, it was planned. People died. It was illegal. It was done to terrify people who were yeah voting to uphold democracy. So like that's the objective of terrorism is to terrify people and it terrified people. So like the, even the wording, it's like they're so soft and they're so kind when it comes to uh, the way these people are being treated. And you think for a country that has so much, they would have a better hold on securing the place that their most important institution is held. 
but apparently not. And it was just, I'm sorry, I, I know we, have, we haven't talked a lot of Star Trek, but we're, just, we're kind of just getting out the, the way we feel about everything that happened. Uh, but it did give me hope that they immediately went in and they did their job, which was to certify the election. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people now should take a step back and look at just how long and drawn out this process is. There is just way too much happening. Yeah. Uh, and tempers are so high, like you shouldn't wait this long. There shouldn't be these many steps to just certifying an election. There is already the steps that are taking place to, to actually vote. Uh, it's, it's almost as if it's all designed to not let people vote, which when you say it makes no sense, but that's kind of what it has become. There are long lines when you vote. It's really difficult to vote. There's then the process of counting the votes. There's the process of taking that votes to their court to certify it. Then the courts kind of get together and they send their electors uh, to the electoral college to certify it. And then it has to go to the Senate. And the, like it's just so many steps that all, no matter who gets elected, there is just so much room for error and so much space for trouble that like, I think they should at least sit back and think about how big the process is. But, you know, now, I think the, in a selfish way, the most, the most comforting thing about all this in a strange way is now you can't deny it. Like we saw the flags that went up there. Like we all saw it, right? Like every one of our faces. Yeah, we saw their faces. They, we saw what they were wearing. We saw what they were chanting. Uh, and the strangest thing was Americans going to fight democracy and the president of America saying, go for it. Like that was yep. gi- giving them the green light. Like it was, it's stuff you can't make up. You just can't make this up. Like, and uh, in Marvel, there is an organization called Hydra. And you find out in comics as you read them is that S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the organization that's supposed to be protecting you actually has a lot of secret Hydra members. And Hydra is essentially the Nazi folks. They've come back to take over, right? Mm-hmm. So you're like, there's no way that could ever happen. That's just, that's so ridiculous. That's too much fiction. Like calm down. And then we see it happen. So it's just very, those were kind of like my thoughts and feelings scattered all over, but I don't, uh, and now I'm just, I hope we have a country after the twentieth. Well, we're we're gonna find out, and, yeah. and when this the, this may be released a little after the twentieth, so uh, we'll be interested to see what 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 this sort of sets as kind of like a milestone for just before, right? We are recording on like I think the seventeenth or something. So a couple things just to <clears throat> kind of talk a bit is I think first of all the people who were storming the Capitol are a perfect example of people who have mistaken politics for culture wars. Right. The idea that that wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, and then all of the things around what Donald Trump says and and, you know, what he sort of espouses, all of these things are imaginary. Right. They're all ideas. They're all ideals. They're very sort of based in in a very closed, siloed perspective. Right. And the thing is, is these were exactly the people who it benefits. Right. Um, His system. And they they and they, they identified themselves. Right. They even said, you know, we had your back at one point. Now we don't and all this and i mean there was rumors that they were trying to kill mike pence and all this other crazy stuff but i think this is it is it's white supremacy masquerading okay, sorry for interrupting you it's not a rumor there is video of people shouting hang pence and they wow. brought a noose See? they set up a noose Whoa. in front of the capital <laughs> i didn't even and know this yeah they, you can find pictures of it they set up Disgusting. a noose like a guillotine they made an execution ground man 
that people brought zip ties. I don't know if you saw the oh, zip yeah, tie I heard guy. About that. So yeah. the people, yeah, they bought their, of course they're all armed, they bought their weapons. Yeah. So yeah. like, again, the reason why you're not calling it a terrorist attack is because you built an entire uh, visual and auditive culture that for so long has done everything it can to associate yeah. terrorism with brown people. Because yeah. now you have to kind of work hard to change the conversation. And so yeah. you're using words like riot and insurrection. Yeah. And terrorist and, is a good name. I mean, that's what it, like, it's, that's the word you made in your language. Yeah. yeah. Well, and what else, and I think about this too, what, what would they have done, right? And, and, and this is the point is we didn't see the left that day, right? The left regarding churches, the left regarding community centers, they were regarding neighborhoods. They were on protection watch at that point because they knew that this was, you know, two groups who are going to fight each other and they didn't have to be a part of it. We have to understand very much so, again, the level of violence that occurred in this shows kind of what needs to happen next in some cases regarding the United States and, and, and an inherent problem with white supremacy, right? The idea that these people felt that they were victims, that they were the downtrodden, that they were being persecuted. One lady even said, um, you know, they're supposed to be shooting Black Lives Matter people, not us, not the patriots, and all this sort of stuff. You know, you, you start to see that um, within, their, within their world are, you know, complete, complete separations from from real material reality and i think where this comes from and you'd kind of brought it up and i can't remember exactly where but my star trek connection would be you know the bad morals that exist within the fleets right these these bad actors sitting directly next to good actors and the only way you can find them is by finding out their deceitful behavior and you're right the Republican Party needs to take responsibility for what happened on that day. And I think the U.S. state needs to take responsibility for some major issues that uh, that have become abundantly clear, right? The idea of how do we take care of people when they're sick? Uh, how do we deal with the inherent racism that could be baked into a system like the one we see? And I mean, here I'm saying, you know, bad talking or saying these things about the United States critically, but these also apply to Canada. And I think also Canadians uh, are, are smug to their peril by thinking that something like this couldn't happen here. Um, I think that Canada is based on very similar principles that does, you know, benefit settler people of a European background. And you're very right, Shashank, in saying that we have been conditioned to see terrorism, quote unquote, as a brown people problem, when actually it's, it's a huge problem among people who are white. As we go forward, and for, for, for the folks who, who did vote for Joe Biden and who are, who are hopeful for something better, I guess my biggest question, and I will reserve any other conversation about this specifically now, my biggest question is, is where do you see this new administration? And I'm asking you this, Shashank, and, and purely to ask, where do you see this new administration tackling these issues? And what do you think its limits and procedures might have to be or should be? Where, where are you hoping things are going to go? What are your hopes moving forward? Before I answer your question, I think your Strange New Worlds doesn't do an episode where a group of people left Earth and they went and formed the Confederacy planet. Ugh. And it's a planet that's living. No, I, I, I think it's essential to do it. I, do, I didn't think it was until I saw a guy walk in with the Confederate flag into the Capitol. Because there needs to be a conversation for a lot of people in an accessible and uh, communicative way, which only Star Trek can do, to understand and discuss why the Confederate flag and the symbolism behind it are a problem. 
if you yeah. think about it there are some shows or movies that people in america might have watched but unless a show like star trek which goes around the world really tackles it in a way that you can understand it you wouldn't understand it it's easy to disassociate that kind of imagery too you're right um there was a lot of sanitization of the confederate flag that took place in the 70s right you think of like dukes of hazard mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, yeah. what's it uh, so the, the the song the guys who sang uh, uh, leonard skinner right that sort of stuff um and and as much as you know th- those seem innocuous as tv shows and, and songs and stuff like that we have to understand that it, they, they they cast um, a country or a, a seceded country that uh, that that fought on the side of slavery and was a white supremacist country, um, and it is a sanitization. And I'm not going to like poo-poo anyone. I don't know if you watch Dukes of Hazard and you listen to Leonard Skinner. I mean, I don't know you, so whatever. But like, just know that it sanitizes white supremacy. Like, that's just the long and short of it. And someone, you're right, with a Confederate flag walked into the the capital of an enemy state. Right. I mean, the Confederacy and the Union were enemies. And, you know, that would like that would be like bringing a swastika uh, into, say, like the French Parliament uh, or something like that, or even the, Ber- the Berlin Reichstag today. Right. It, it, it's an irrelevant. Uh, the German dated, Parliament. Yeah. Well, it would have been. It's, I think it's still called the Reichstag. Um, but that idea that like that is a dead symbol and it needs to be dead. Um, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it doesn't feel very dead. Neither of them do right now. And it's frustrating, but back to my question, is there, unless you want to cover anything else, where, where are you sort of hoping things go here? Are you looking for, you know, brutal crackdowns? Are you looking for rehabilitation? Are you looking for Joe just kind of pushing for social programs where you sort of someone who, who fits within the liberal democratic paradigm of political understanding and everything like that. Where do you see this going? What, what's, what are your hopes? Well, my biggest hope is that we don't have to follow his Twitter. <laughs> That's, yeah. I, I know it sounds again it, on the surface. It, it's a funny thing that sounds humorous, but I don't want to look at a politician's Twitter, man. I don't want to wake up at 6am in the morning and think what did he say in the middle of the night that pissed off someone important. And I don't think Joe will do that. I don't think, I think the next four years, especially from that personality, all the celebrity of the president will go away. Like, I think it'll be a time of, at least from the White House, it'll just be a time of quiet. I think we'll go back to, and I can't wait for it. We'll go back to boring, long, complex discussions about the work that needs to be done. And I think uh, now with the House, the Senate, and the White House under the democratic control, I really think they'll make some progress with healthcare. I don't know if it'll get as good as Canada's is, but it will be significantly better than what it is now. I, I think they will, they're, he's already ready to push for the $15 minimum wage, which again, when you make these positive changes, the work saves people. Like people will stop talking about everything that happened when they realize, wait, I'm making more money than I used to. And companies are paying more taxes than they used to. This is great. Like back when the, like that, that's just how it, time has always worked. Uh, and the society has, has always worked is that when you just do the work, I think people lives will change and people will change. And I think that's what will happen with Biden. He's Jellico and nobody's excited about having Jellico on the ship. But you know <laughs> he's what? He's just called Joe the Biden Jellico and that's amazing. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I mean, the ships get monitored. 
it's quiet people don't get into fights it's just you just sit and watch it unfold and every now and then somebody will be asked to like hey maybe don't wear that uniform anymore wear a different uniform you know those things will happen uh, but you know the trick of it is that i think it will go back to being quiet and boring and very nonchalant very mundane uh, i i wouldn't be surprised if in the next four years we had national legalization of marijuana which is like a whole different thing right like there are millions of black people that have spent their entire lives in jail because of marijuana while these guys get to go walk out and do what they did and then go back home like everything's fine a terrorist at the at the capitol just on the 6th stole a riot shield and there was an indigenous water protector who stole a riot shield at standing rock and i think they're looking at 17 years we'll find out like and i think also i don't think the charges would have been as severe had the election outcome been different but with the new people coming in i'm a lot more hopeful that they will be really brought to justice mm-hmm. and there'll be there'll be some really strong charges so going back to these guys i mean i think it'll get it'll get much more intense there at this point they're building the case so they're mm-hmm. just finding the people to get them to court and then eventually it'll get to that insurrection sedition charges which yeah. is when it'll get really interesting but i uh my, i don't know they like that's what i think joe biden and kamala harris are the kind of people who just want to do the work because they think work will save you and work will if you do the work people will come to you it's like from the bible right like if you build it they'll come like yeah. that's that's kind of what it is is they just they'll get out of all this conversation about what rosie o'donnell's up to you or what is going on on the tv and what is cnn saying what is fox news saying so and they'll just do the work and eventually be, the conversation will change to hey look at these things we're getting or it'll become hey look at these things we're getting and i'm not happy with it so it'll go back to that kind of what it used to be in a way but uh, i don't know what more, the thing that really worries me is that all these people the 75 million that voted for this guy they'll be here i mean and all this kind of failed because in a way they weren't as smart as they could be or as articulate as they could be but if it was a, a much smarter much more articulate person like hitler like galdukart who could you know say the words and also mm-hmm. do the actions that you need to do i fear for the democracy uh, in 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 the long run and hopefully it's just a fear and it never realizes itself but what do you think what do you think will happen in the next four years well obviously coming from a slightly different ideological perspective <clears throat> um i appreciate your points actually and and they've given me some really good um hinges on which to kind of continue a dialogue on this that we can sort of carry out as we as we do more episodes and stuff. So I think that's good. And I just want to say at the beginning here you're right about the possibility of someone with more charisma doing what Trump did better. And I think we have to watch out for that because the 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 self-victimization of of that group of of people along with their their 
adherence to this sort of almost biblical culture war and their their willingness to take on um take on oppressions right they 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 very much will be like well you know socialists are actually the real nazis or or feminists are the real misogynists and and all this sort of stuff um i think that in that respect they're going to be able to double down with a person who would be a little more articulate and quicker on the improv end of things than trump was because i think uh, it is pretty clear that a number of those people who who stormed the capitol were in fact um, given a plan and had a plan. I mean, you, the dude with his the, the piece of crap with the with the zip ties and stuff like that. I mean, he went with his mom. Like no one no one goes anywhere with their mom to like the capital without a plan. Come on. Also, his mom came along. Just let that sink in for a second, folks. Anyways, yeah. I mean, when you take the humor out of it, which is it's still pretty funny, but yeah, it's intergenerational. It's something yeah. that's being deep seated that is just yeah. taking a new avatar. Right, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's new that came up in the last four years. It's something no. that's been a part of some of some Americans. I don't know why they would call themselves American, but some of these people's lives for generations. So it's just yeah. like that's the that's the real threat. I'm worried that that. So a couple of things that I'm sort of looking at and where I'm kind of going with this is like. The concept of a council presidency, I think, might be possible. Joe Biden is very old, and so I do sort of wonder how much um, how much fuel he's got left in the tank. I, like, I'm not going to say he's going to die before the end of his first term or something, but like, he's an older man and will need more rest and all that sort of stuff. And like, if you look at what the presidency does to the faces of the presidents over like the four to eight year period, like they age when they are president. And that's something that I've noticed. So I do wonder if we're going to see sort of a council presidency where there will be a lot more um, Congress people and senators advising. I wonder what Kamala Harris's points are going to be. Um, and talking a bit about Kamala Harris, I just want to really iterate this specifically and clearly to everyone that representation does not equal power. And as much as having a, a black woman in the presidency or vice presidency is a form of representation. If there are still black women starving, um, being treated terribly, if there are still a higher incarceration rate of black people, uh, people of color, you can have all the representation you want, but it won't equal power. It's something that I'm really happy about with Star Trek Discovery as well, is it has really leaned into this concept of not only representation, but also giving power to those characters that, um, that, that represent certain uh, groups of people, groups of, of naturally born people. When Adira um, was very clear in saying, I am a, I use they, right? When you talk to me, use they. And they articulated it well. They were firm. When other characters heard they, you saw click acknowledge and then it was never a problem again and i think that's great but like i said as long as as long as there are as long as black people are being um, incarcerated at a higher rate um, poverty levels are higher they're suffering from covid more and getting affected more people of color are not being treated uh, the way they should be in an equitable society any representation will not equal power so i think that's one thing um i do sort of uh think a little bit about you know, you saying we saw it coming. Um, I think we also saw this coming too, right? The idea that there would be a changeover um, from this. And I'm not necessarily terribly surprised um, that, that Biden won. And I think that we need to understand as well that, you know, the changes that could be possible with healthcare, with, um, with how the, the, the pandemic is going to be, uh, be handled. I guess like one thing I want to say right off the hob there is, boy, would I ever love to be the president after Donald Trump? 
to this degree also it's like they could i mean it's their presidency to lose at this point as well just in terms of mainstream united states political politics um but in that respect i think that we have to not forget that standing rock rock and ferguson the starting of uprisings from both black and indigenous people happened under obama's presidency and he was not kind to them whatsoever we also have to understand that overseas um Obama started a terrible bombing campaign that took place in Yemen. And I guess Trump didn't get as long of a time to, to exercise that. But I would be interested to see what Joe, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's foreign policy is going to be, especially against countries that they try to sheep dip every few years, like uh, Venezuela, um, the sanctions on Cuba, and the escalating tensions uh, against China. I worry that, you know, you saying, you know, this could be a bit of a boring presidency. Domestically, I think you're right. But in terms of foreign policy, I worry that there's going to be unsanctioned uh, assassinations, uh, attacks, and possibly a war starting um, uh, specifically against China. And I think that that would be a gravely, gravely problematic thing to take place. Um, the other piece of it that I want to really lay down is, um, I forget their name, but uh, it would be like AOC and and the other... Um, uh, members of, I believe they're called the Squad. Um, forgive my Canadian ignorance on American politics, but they're they're pushing for this Green New Deal, and I think it's a great idea that that we have some kind of change in our fundamental consumption. But I do have to say that if the Green New Deal is just basically adding a lithium battery to everything, we have to understand that that lithium is usually forcibly expropriated from the global south, um, from countries like Bolivia and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And if the Green New Deal is purely just a new way to exploit and you and and suck up natural resources that is carbon friendly in terms of its emissions, I want nothing to do with it. And so I, I hope that those things are brought into consideration and we find equitable ways to move forward in a sustainable manner. But I will say, as it stands right now, there's not really much I can say in terms of uh, criticisms or anything, but just hope, I guess, is hope that uh, um, people will get to have their voice a little bit more heard and things will move a little bit better. But I guess I'm not going to stop organizing in my own community and trying to help the people around me, no matter what. And I hope people continue to do that. If Even if you did vote for Biden and expect things to move in a good way, um, this doesn't mean that we need to take things sitting down. We can go and help people. We can go and show what it is that's important to us. And I think helping one another is the number one thing we can do. And as Trek supporters and Trek fans, I mean, come on, that's what we do, right? Speaking of Trek, let's talk about what do you think will happen in the next few years in Trek. I know they've already started work on season four of Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Strange New Worlds is coming out. There's yeah. Picard season two. There's Lower Decks. So a lot of Trek. What, do you think there'll be any, any new stuff coming? Is there anything you're particularly excited about for 2021 and beyond? Yeah. Well, the latest season of Discovery has really hit its stride. I, I mean... There were elements, you know, like everyone's talking about the turbo lifts and it being so big. And yeah, I mean, it kind of reminded me of the beginning scene, uh, the car scene on Coruscant in episode two of Star Wars. It was like, it seemed like that was as big of, a, of an area that we were dealing with. But uh, I don't know. I mean, those little tiny idiosyncrasies are, I mean, they're, they're good talking points. I mean, it happened in... Um, you know, I think it happened in Nemesis where the amount of decks... Uh, that this that the uh, enterprise had, or maybe it was um, maybe it was first contact. I can't remember, but these little idiosyncrasies and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not going to be too troubled. Where I'm really liking Star Trek moving is in its representation. Right? Um, we had an open-mouthed kiss between between two gay men on on Star Trek. Gay men played by gay men. 
that's pretty freaking awesome, right? Uh, Non-binary characters, just being themselves, right? Exercising their inborn nature. I love the connection that they used with the Trill. And I really hope that that for uh, trans and non-binary people, that they can see the concept of the Trill as something they can connect to, right? Much like the Wachowski siblings uh, did with um, with the Matrix, right? The idea that there's something deep within me that makes me something more than what you might see. And um, a sort of a, a way to express your inborn nature, I think, is just a wonderful thing. Um, I would love to see more of that. I would love to see more of their... Um you talked about this a bit, I think, somewhere about the concept of Afrofuturism and that being used for Book's character. Um, I hope they just lean right into that because it it is the new frontier, right? I mean, we've we've seen what, you know, sort of settler colonial space stuff would look like in the 60s and then you know kind of what that you know post reagan space colonization would look like and then you know going up into deep space nine and we kind of got that turned on its head and we got to sort of see the the side of the of the revolutionary with the bajorans and then fighting against the dominion so i'm really hopeful i i think that i i think that star trek has a unique place to make very strong political commentary and i hope they don't pull any punches so any any series is fine. I just hope that they do the Trek thing and don't try to just sort of like have cool special effects and sort of half-baked storylines and stuff. Let's let's really dive in here. Let's get Trek people talking and thinking about what it means to be a good citizen and how we can move towards a society that's a lot more like the show we love. And I'll keep pushing for this. It's still my number one need that I want out of Star Trek. I need a Ferengi show. Let's go. Let's make it happen there's no yeah. again nobody will do it it's a show that will be built around a mythology a planet a civilization that all works around money and consumption and capitalism and just making profit i know it's a fictional place that doesn't exist right like there's no way you can there's no way the planet we live on is that way no but like it, i <laughs> we live on frame. But, like it's just the the I wish somebody would figure out just a way to do a Ferengi show. I'll even take a comic book uh series. Speaking of comics, Trek comics have been really good in 2020. They are what got me through in a way. Uh, with everything that was going on, that was one place that I could always go to. If you're uh interested, check out all my reviews on treknews.net, hashtag plug. Uh, and uh, definitely <laughs> the comics have been really good and I hope they keep doing what they're doing. Year five was great. We got a really nice tribute comic in a way for Odo. Uh, uh, just, yeah, the keep going with the comics. Give me a Ferengi show. Uh, I know a lot of people enjoyed Picard season one. The latter half just nosedived for me. Uh, it was not, I hope they do some work to get back from it. And uh, right now, it's the one I'm not as excited about as I am for Discovery Season 4 mm -hmm. and Strange New Worlds. I think Strange New Worlds will be, it'll be a knockout. I think it'll really surprise people and get a lot more people talking about Trek than uh, Discovery or Picard or the other shows managed to. I think Lower Decks will come back strong. Yeah, Lower Decks was a, was a real, was a real, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It's, uh, it's unfortunate uh uh, my partner is not a cartoon fan, but I, I'm, I'm, it's okay. I don't mind. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, I stole some time to do it. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I actually think I'll probably do a rewatch of Lower Decks pretty soon because it was sort of just goofy, cute fun. That's all I have, man. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think that will wrap up this episode. What do you think? 
Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good place to wrap up and just sort of signal our intent to all the fine listeners of uh, of Politrix that we're uh, we're taking a few steps into coming back, and how that's going to look is is maybe a little bit different. But I'm probably going to release this episode without really any editing at all, except for that part that I had to uh, help open a can of chickpeas. So outside of that, um, I want to wish everyone a very happy New Year, and I hope you're doing okay where you are. And if you aren't, you know. Make sure you look out for uh, where you can find that help. One of the strongest things a person can do is ask for help when they need it. And if you feel like you don't have the means to do that, you know, I mean, heck, hit us up on Twitter. I mean, I, I can see what I can even do to help you find links and connections to, to those people and, and groups and affiliations that can help us when we are in a time of need. And the other thing I'm going to leave you folks with is now is not the time just to sit in quarantine if you are able to get up and out there and you're not at risk um, for, for contracting COVID um, as badly or um, you have the right means from which you can, uh, you can protect yourself. Try to get involved in some community organization. Try to make sure that you're helping people around you. Um, they're the ones who you will find are sometimes in the most need and can sometimes it can bring a lot of joy. So try to do that. And with that, I would say uh, live long and prosper. And onward to start something. Politrex is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For even more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or wherever you download your podcasts.